Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bring the Vegas gaming experience to the palm of your hand. Bet your favorite team, try your luck in a casino, or our poker room. The earliest sports lines and the biggest limits online. Lots of deposit options. Bet on live events as they happen. The next play, the next score. Get winnings fast or roll them into a parlay and win even more. Visit Bet Online today and see what millions of customers have experienced for over 20 years. I want to hear cannons. Tempo mode, dropping the throw, what's now they got those to the left, it's intercepted into the 35, outside the numbers to the 40, to the 35, to the 30, to the 25, to the 20, to the 15, 10, Mike Edwards, touchdown Tampa Bay, that's the dagger my friend. This is the big nasty, yeah big nasty, Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan baby. This is Mike Allstock, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother, you ain't listening, and you're missing out, woo! And there are the cannons coming. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. 21 to 15, your final score from week five. As the Tampa Bay Buccaneers outlast the Atlanta Falcons for their first home victory of the season, they advance their record to three and two and now have a firm grasp on first place in the NFC South for the time being. Welcome back to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire podcast live today for our post-game reaction show. I'm your host, as always, Rep Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, Philly Bucks fan himself from BucksNation.com, Mr. Evan Wanish. That was uh, that was an interesting game. 21-15, to your final score. I do not think the box score is going to do this offense, any type of justice, but we certainly have a lot to talk about, it feels like. I mean, a win is a win is a win, and for the Bucs, this was very, very well needed, but uh, just an interesting game. Yeah, you know, you couldn't um, you couldn't lose three straight. Uh, you couldn't lose three straight at home, and then to, to the Falcons, who um, I'll give the Falcons credit. I mean, I still, you know, they're lacking in talent, which is why they're not winning these close games, but they fight. Um you know, the Rams were up on them 28 to three a few weeks ago and the Falcons came back and they lost, but they made that a game. Um, you know, they probably should have beaten New Orleans week one if they, they hadn't blown that lead. And then they beat Cleveland by, by three last week. So, um, you know, th- they fight and they, I think they're just, their lack of talent. Uh, now, obviously we'll get into the Bucks, but, you know, to me, I think, yeah, if you look at the box score, you would say, oh, you'd be kind of curious as to why the Bucks only have 21 points. Uh, because they ran 75 total plays compared to the Falcons 61 and the books had 420 total yards of offense, which is easily the, the most that they've had. I believe um, no turnovers. They were the more efficient team on third down. Um, yeah, it was, it was interesting, but I think it was kind of the, the tale of two halves for I mean, really. I, I'd say the tale of, the tale of, of three, three quarters, three quarters, three quarters <laughs> in, a, in a different quarter. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, even in the third quarter, they looked fine. Uh, I think that you can look better, but, like, they look fine. And, uh, like I said, we'll get into it. But, you know, it's you – know, we'll talk about a few other things as well that led to that win. But, um, you know, yeah, a win is a win. Uh, 
now, do you have to be better? Yeah. Like you're facing a Pittsburgh team next week that just got embarrassed today. Uh, that's a tough road game. Like they're going to want to come out and, and put that horrible loss to Buffalo behind them. So I, you know, you're probably going to have to play better next week th- th- than you did this week. And, uh, you know, but for now, you know, you're three and two and you're at the top of the NFC South, a, a big division win. So you're two and zero oh in the division. And that's always going to help as well. Yeah. The offensive production for Tampa Bay, a season high going to be the biggest storyline coming out of today. And it's interesting to talk about because fourth quarter of this game, the Buccaneers were up 21 to nothing. And even up until that point, they had just dominated on the offensive side of the ball. couple of three and outs to start the fourth quarter, obviously let Atlanta get back into this game. But it's important to remember that there was a turning point in the first quarter. It was a fourth and one stop in the red zone for Atlanta. The Bucs had tried to go for it and send Fournette up the gut. He did not get there, so they turned the ball over. That play right there, even with the Bucs up 21 to nothing at some point, if they convert right there, this is easily a game that at one point or another is 24 to nothing, 27, 28 points to nothing. Like, I, I think people are maybe overreacting a little bit to, you know, how this offense kind of fell apart in the fourth quarter, because I, I feel like, you know, three straight three and outs is bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and defend that three straight three and outs for this Bucks offense who had been rolling all afternoon to start the fourth quarter. That's the last time you want that to happen because on all three of those drives, the Bucks had more than enough chances to go out there and put this game away. Like a field goal probably would have put it out of reach for Atlanta at the end of the day. Another touchdown pretty much assures that you can win the clock battle for the rest of the afternoon and give Atlanta a slim to none shot to come back and try and win that game. But I also felt like it came with the territory. Tom Brady today, 35 for 52, 351 yards, only a single touchdown on the day. I don't think the Bucs went into this game wanting Tom Brady to throw the ball 52 times. And when they tried to get the run game going at the end of the day, it just did not work. Like, I think the timing was bad, but it's hard for me to sit here and overreact about it when this offense very well could have had another touchdown in the first quarter, despite the fourth and one stop. Yeah. Yeah. They could have. And well, honestly thought Kate Otten had the first down uh, looked. I thought, I thought he did too. And it was a first down. So that shouldn't even have had to come to that. Um, But this team's inability to get fourth and ones is maddening. Like that is just, that is inexcusable. And they're going to have to, for some reason, I don't know whether it's because you have, you know, Luke Gedeke, a rookie guard, and then Shaq Mason, a guard who hasn't been here. You know, this is only his fifth game in a Bucks uniform. And, and obviously Robert Haynes, the inexperienced center. I don't know why they just will, they refuse to do a quarterback sneak with Brady anymore. Maybe it's his finger. I, I don't know. Listen, like the I, entire season, they haven't done it once. You know, we don't like to be skeptical here on the show, but even the Fox broadcast took an extended period of time to look at how Brady was laboring his shoulder, checking on his hand after getting hit by Grady Jarrett earlier in the game. With that being said, is it, too far out of reach to think that like, yeah, the Bucks just want to be conservative and not send Brady into the middle of a pile at 45 maybe. years old with a potential hurt throwing shoulder. I mean, maybe, you know, but like the, the shoulder was last week. And there, I remember there was a few other, the one, the fourth and one in New Orleans could have sneaked it. Didn't like, you know, his shoulder wasn't hurt then. Like, you know, so uh, I just, I just think it's, um, it, it's maddening that the, you know, the fourth and one, like it wasn't even a one, like you're an NFL team man up and get the the half yard like come on um 
But, you know, yeah, the, the offense I thought was was really good for 75% of this game. And the issue in the fourth quarter, and a lot of people in the chat are saying, oh, too conservative. So they had to drive three and out, a minute 42 off the clock. Okay, this was after um, – so after the Fournette touchdown, Atlanta punted, the Bucks punted. Atlanta scores a touchdown. The next drive, three plays, 42 seconds. Okay, Atlanta punts. The next drive. Three plays, 36 seconds. Like, that's just, that's not good enough. Here's the thing. Too conservative? The Bucks threw the ball on first down and complete. Stops the clock. They completed it on second down. Okay, keeps the clock moving. They threw it incomplete on third down. Stops the clock. If you're protecting a lead there, you should actually be conservative. They were being too aggressive there. Throwing the ball, keeping the clock stopped, giving Atlanta basically extra timeouts. You know, that's why they were, Atlanta was able to, you know, you'd at least run, you run the ball three straight times. You're at least running a minute off. Like you're at least running at least a minute off. Yeah, 40 they, they second play that. clock. Even if you let that wind all the way down, that's a minimum of what? 160 seconds. Yeah. I mean, two so and a half was, minutes. It was three straight passes, you know, and then only one was, one was complete. Yeah. Okay. 42 seconds. Then Fournette ran on first down. Okay. Second down, incomplete. Third down, incomplete. 36 seconds. Run the ball again. Like, you should have taken at least, both those drives should have taken at least a minute and a half off. If you punt, you punt. But you got to keep that clock moving. That was my biggest complaint. I actually didn't think they were conservative. I thought they were too aggressive there. And that's somebody who's criticized the offensive philosophy. I think they relied on the pass a little bit too much. And just, it's like they never knew how to protect the lead before. And it was it was frustrating. Yeah, well, uh, let's not forget uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did win the game today. So let's take some they time did. to highlight some of the offensive playmakers. I had made a couple of hot takes about the offense this week. And while they weren't as productive as I thought they would be, I had them hanging over 30 points. They didn't do just quite that. But spreading the ball around, I mean, I don't think it gets any better than what we saw out there today. Your leading receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with 10 receptions and 83 yards plus a touchdown he also had a touchdown on the ground. That is playoff Lenny Leonard for net. How about that? Never thought I'd see that on a stat line. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the most catches he's had in a Bucks uniform as well um, in a game. So, uh, yeah, good for him. I thought both running backs uh, looked pretty good today. Um, you know, running the ball, not so much. But, um, yeah, they're just they're not a good running team. And I think they're starting to figure that out. Uh, they're starting to figure that out, but, um, you know, I mean, if Fournette can give you that on, on, on the ground a little bit and through the air, you know, you'll take that. Um, but yeah, I, I thought, you know, like I said, just, you gotta be able to, to control, you gotta run the ball better for situations. Like I just brought up, that's how that's when run the ball better. That's why they were able to control that game in Dallas week one they were able to run the ball effectively and that burned clock. So they need to get back to whatever worked in that Dallas game because what they've been doing on the ground hasn't really been working. And like, I'm a guy who thinks that, yes, the Bucks' strength is throwing the ball. They should throw the ball. This is now the second straight week that Brady's thrown the ball 52 times. That's not going to work like every week. That's just not, especially, you know, when he's a little bit banged up. I mean, he's fine. You know, if it was serious, serious, he wouldn't be out there. But like, you know, he's, he's not 100% healthy, I don't think. So like you can't have him throwing the ball fifty two times, and it's just to me it was some un you know unnecessary things. But you know yeah, I mean very very productive day from from Fournette. Yeah, Mike Evans by the way right behind Leonard Fournette in receiving yards, four catches and eighty one yards for the wide wow. receiver one. He was robbed of a touchdown. 
Well, I don't know, was he? Because I couldn't see it. I mean, that. Uh, okay, hold on. Can, can we actually take a second? Uh, oh so God. if you guys have been hanging out with us live over on YouTube, I got to fill in on the game day reaction stream for our buddy, Mr. Bucks Nation. James Hill was in attendance at the game, so I got to commentate live. And that Fox camera crew should be ashamed of themselves. Oh. I mean, even on that 40-yard play, they missed the play. Yeah. They missed it. I, they totally missed it. Like, I, w- when they first showed it, I thought I was watching a replay. Because it was like a shot of up on top of Scotty Miller so showing, the, showing the receivers. Right. Yeah. And I was like, what am I looking at? And then all of a sudden they jump back over and there's Mike Evans inside well, the five yard line. All, all, and the announcer, I guess the announcer couldn't really. I mean, the announcer's got a job to do. So like he's got to call the game. He can't say, oh, I don't know what we're looking at. He's got a job to do, you know. So he's like, oh, there's a strike, Mike Evans. And we're like, OK, like what's going on here? I was like, this is it got me dizzy. And then even the challenge, like when they when the Bucks went back and challenged it, or the call stood, so they didn't give the Bucks the touchdown there. It was a forty yard reception for Mike Evans to put the Bucks very, very deep in enemy territory. But like even the angles that they were showing at commercial break was just awful. Like it didn't mm-hmm. give me a good perspective on where the ball was towards the pylon, whether he had crossed the plane or what the what the case was, but there were a couple of bumbles. Uh, for that Fox production team today. And the fact that they missed probably the biggest Mike Evans play of the year so far, I was highly disappointed. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. And I mean, well, how about his catch uh, earlier in the game? Yeah, uh, man. 30-yard gain. Catch. Yeah, so uh, a pretty big-time catch there. So Chris Godwin uh, was yeah, he played, all- he played well. Chris Godwin was also one of the uh, big stars of the first half. Six catches for 61 yards, and it seemed like all of those catches came in those first two quarters, but people were asking about it in the live chat. Didn't see a lot of Chris Godwin in the second half of the game, and I have to think the Bucks were just being conservative, had him on a snap count today, and when you're playing with a two-possession lead, why does he need to be out there? Yeah, yeah. I I, um, I think Godwin was only not out there because, you know, those on the final drive he was. You know, he, he, he was out there when they needed it. Um, and also, I was I knew the game was over when the Falcons kicked the ball back to the Bucs. Like, when the two-point conversion happened, the Bucs had Tom Brady as their quarterback. Like, I, I wasn't concerned. Like, I, I really wasn't. So, uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to what people were going to talk about, trust me. But um, I really wasn't concerned. But, yeah, Godwin, I thought, did his job. Uh, really moved the chains. And the Bucs did a lot better job on offense on third downs today. And I think Godwin's production was a big reason why. Hey, I had a, a kind of a hot take for this guy during the week, and I didn't expect him to have the stat line that he did. But he certainly made his presence felt on the offense today. That is rookie, tight end, number 88, Kate Otten. Six catches, 43 yards, averaging 7.2 yards per reception. I think he may or may not be coming one of Brady's uh, new favorite targets. Played well again, yeah. I, um, you know, I think we're seeing Cameron Brady starting to lose snaps here before our very eyes. Uh, don't know if he'll be back next week. Obviously, concussions are a touchy thing. Um, but, I mean, yeah, Kyle Rudolph was uh, – There's a Two targets, no catches. There, yeah, and a drop. Um, there, there, there's a reason that dude was a healthy scratch. It's just he just doesn't. He just doesn't have it anymore. So, um, you know, I, yeah, I thought Otten played well. Um, yeah, and he did what he did need to do. It's it's not going to be like a Gronkowski thing. He's not going to give you the real explosive plays, but he's going to – if he can move the chains, which is what he did today, I think that will help. Oh, yeah. Scotty Miller, by the way, had a, uh, had a nice comeback game for the people who were rooting for him. Four catches, 35 yards. I liked what I saw from Scotty. I, I thought he's, you know, he's one of those guys where – 
I know he isn't a pivotal playmaker on this offense. It's not like he's a starter we're talking about every single week. But with the NFL being a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of league, Scotty Miller needed a game like today really badly. Yeah, and he had the grimy catches. You know, that one, I believe it was first and 20. Over the middle, had to kind of brace for impact. Yeah, that's the catches that the Bucs want him to make. He's going to have to make those catches to stay on the team. And today he did. Yeah, absolutely. He definitely did. Uh, Russell Gage had two catches against his former team for 20 yards, one of them being the two-point conversion to put Tampa Bay up 21 to nothing. And then Rashad White out of the running back position, three catches for 28 yards. Wanted to segue really quickly and talk about just the different areas that this offense is improving. But I was excited to see what this position group would bring to the table this week, and it was a lot more things to get excited about. The production from our running backs catching the football. I mean, this is night and day. I feel like ever since Tom Brady got here, we have been talking about having a running back as a safety outlet, as a quick check down, somebody who can just get you four, five, six, seven yards on a short pass most of the time, sometimes break for a little bit more room. But between Leonard Fournette and Rashad White, 97 receiving yards last week in a losing effort against Kansas City. This week, between the both of them, 110 yards receiving, it's just getting better. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, first year, they really didn't have that, right? In 2020, they were, that's what we were talking about. All these running backs, you know, they, Brady needs a, a James White, you know, type. And now it's becoming a really, really good strength of, of the offense. And it's helping move the chains. It's helping the passing game. Uh, I know the deep shots down the field are, are fun and, you know, like the, the cool thing. But, you know, it's just move the sticks. Like, that's what you need to do. And, and that's what Brady's done for 22 years now. So um, he knows how to work an offense. And he knows that if the running backs can, you know, your running back needs to be reliable there. And Fournette has continued after not being very reliable in 2020. He has continued to be reliable liable all last year and this year so and Rashad White's even coming into his own as a pass catcher it looks more and more comfortable each week so it's uh it's good progress that White's made and it just it helps the offense it just helps the offense so much more you know this time last year the Bucks were at home playing Miami and Tom Brady had thrown over 350 yards and five touchdown passes while we didn't see five touchdown passes today and even looking at the box score, the Buccaneers only putting up 21 points is probably going to have some people scratch their head. But realistically, I think we need to take a minute and and appreciate that the offense is figuring it out. Like someone's going to look at the box score and say, oh, they were playing Atlanta and they only put up 21 points. But I just didn't see it that way. Kind of like, you know, it's funny. It's a six point game. But kind of like last week, we talked about the 10 point loss to Kansas City feeling like a 20 point loss. This is a six-point win that feels like a 16-point win. I know um, it came down to the wire, but, I, I mean, it, listen, they absolutely dominated on the offensive side of the ball for 80% of the game. Yeah. Um, Falcons' defense is, and I talked about this a little bit on the previous show, the Falcons' defense is improved. Uh, the Falcons' defense is not terrible anymore. They allowed 27 to the Saints week one, 31 to the Rams, 23 to the Seahawks, and 20 to the Browns. You know, to me, like, I think people got a little spoiled over the years with a explosive offense. Um, but, you know, the Falcons defense has been playing better. They're starting to make strides there. And, yeah, you know, I don't think that can be ignored. Um, 
but you know that doesn't mean the Bucks can't play better. They absolutely can. But yeah, this offense is uh, is is making some strides. You're seeing improvement. It's a lot more improvement. Able to move the sticks. Like I said, my biggest thing was the third down offense. Third down offense was much much better than than today than really the entire year. Um, what was it today was their best day. So I thought a lot of that was was really good. Hopefully they can keep that up. Um, I thought Brady was decent today. Uh, I think he was better last week, but I, I, I thought I thought he was decent today. I honestly thought he did a pretty good job at getting the ball out when he needed to, because I think that that offensive line was feeling the pressure today. A you know, Tom bit. Tom yeah. was feeling the pressure a little bit more than usual, and I think there were more than a few times where quick decision, pump fake, got to get rid of the ball, and I thought he was able to do that quite a few times today. Yeah, yeah, it, I I think so. Luke Gedicke had his hands full with Grady Jarrett. Um, I know a lot of people want to say, "Oh, bench Gedicke." Look, like he's a second round pick. Like you're gonna go through growing pains with a second round pick. Look at who and, he's been matched up against yeah, so far it, this it's, season. It's not like you know? it's not like he's playing scrubs. You know, it's not like he's playing scrubs. The Bucks offensive line in the second and third quarter were dominating. Like they they, they were dominating, and then you know it's just. The, the fourth quarter came in Atlanta sort of pinned their ears back uh, as we have a, a $5 super chat from G Vegas. Thanks to rent for filling in for James. Any division and win is great. Let's feed Lenny. So if you guys don't know, if you guys are just here, uh, Rhett did a amazing job filling in for Mr. Bucks nation. James, who was at the game today, ran a 5k beforehand, which I want to see the footage from that. But, um, Man, we were we were joking because uh, yesterday James had informed us that he was going to be doing the uh, I think it's the treasure chest 5K fun run deal the Bucks have every year. So he signed up. He went and he got his number yesterday. And, uh, you know, naturally to prep for a 5K, he loaded up on three different plates of pasta yesterday. He yeah, sent so us a picture of uh, some fettuccine Alfredo, <laughs> some classic red sauce spaghetti. And it kind of gave you shades of that office episode with the Michael Scott know, fun run. If you know, you know, if you but, know, you know, <laughs> he's he's eating the he's eating the fettuccine before the race. <laughs> and then midway through, he's, oh, my God, Alfredo sauce. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get carved up. <laughs> got a carbo load yeah yeah there it is but um yeah luckily he was able to finish that i won't give away his results uh because they weren't great they weren't great he they claims great. but he but, claims but he's, he got he's not cheated. a runner he's not a runner what do you mean he he's tells you he runs every day yeah but he's lying he's a liar he, <laughs> he's not a runner but he's a liar <laughs> our buddy bucks uk adam davy said they had a few bucks uk members run the 5k today love seeing some bucks fans out there active the race started at 7 a.m. Yeah. And like I normally wake up for uh, I normally wake up early for work, but there is no way you would have caught me running <laughs> three miles at at uh, seven in the morning. But shout out to all of you who did. And uh, hopefully yeah. you got to catch real, a great game afterwards. Real quick before we move on uh, to the defense and then after the defense, we'll talk about the officiating. Um Harvinder says, are the issues because Bowles is in charge instead of Arians and the no risk it approach? See, here's the thing, though. I said that the issue today in the fourth quarter was that they were too aggressive. Like, it's just that's the issue with the offense. It doesn't really have a true identity. They were too aggressive when throwing it. And Atlanta was playing the pass. They were incomplete, stopping the clock. Like, this game could have been wrapped up much quicker. Um, so I think they were actually a little bit too aggressive in the fourth quarter. And I think that's what cost them. You did the job. Was it perfect? No, you were up 21 to nothing and 21 to seven, whatever. Just 
you know, you're, you have a, a two score lead, protect the two score lead. And I just don't think they did a good enough job there, even though I thought the offense made some strides. Um, they need to be better. Like it's, there's no excuse. Um, you know, especially now that a lot of your weapons, obviously Julio Jones didn't play, but a lot of your weapons are healthy. Now, you know, you have a fully healthy offensive line. And there, there is just no excuse uh, to to be you know not productive on offense anymore. There isn't. Oh well, you know they had Scotty Miller and Bashad Perryman, only guys to throw to. No, like that that's not an excuse anymore. So you need to be better at closing games out. But overall, I was, I was, I thought it was a, no again, just like Brady. I thought it was a decent day for the offense. It would have been a good day, I think, had they been able to close out a little bit sooner. Let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. This is where things get a little interesting. Hang because... on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Because oh. I got some. Is Harvinder and Will both say, but whenever Harvinder says, whenever Tampa tries to run, they got nowhere. And Will said they had to throw because the run game is consistent. That doesn't matter in the fourth quarter when you're trying to react to two score lead. The clock matters. They they threw too many incompletions, but stopped the clock. If you run three straight times, you don't. You you're gonna at least burn a minute or a minute and thirty. You know, not 30 seconds. Like, you're going to burn more time if you just run the ball three straight times. The clock's going to be moving. Maybe you force Atlanta to take timeouts earlier than they want to. I'm not talking about being productive and getting big gains on, on uh, through through the run game. But and I and I'm a guy who says that like they need to pass it more. But in that fourth quarter, when protecting that lead, they went three straight passes on a drive that was 42 seconds. You can't do that when you're trying to protect the lead if you're not completing the passes. You know, if you throw one incompletion, okay, be like, all right, we're gonna play it safe and run the ball because you need the clock to you need the clock to be able to to run. Um, and then Harvinder also says, so it was play calling from Bowles. No, Bowles isn't the play caller. It, that's Byron Leftwich. I think it that goes on two play two people, well, not two people, but one person and in a unit. Byron Leftwich calling the plays. It goes on him, but then also goes on the execution because you're not executing those passes anyway. Those passes could be completed, but you're not executing them. So um, that's that's the issue. It's the execution and the play calling down the stretch, which led it to become as close as it was. I'm not saying that, oh, you know, the run game was terrible, so why do that? It doesn't matter. It's about controlling the clock and knowing the situation, and the Bucks were awful in both areas during the fourth quarter. Well, really quick, let's gloss over the run game before we talk about the defense here. Uh, a nice 69 yards on the ground for the day. That includes negative three yards for Tom Brady on the kneel down at the end of the game. Leonard Fournette, 56 yards and a touchdown on 14 carries. Rashad White, 14 yards and five carries. But let's not forget a couple of those were crucial third down conversions. And then uh, Chris Godwin got two yards on one carry as well. So with that being said... Tom Brady threw the ball 52 times and they still found a way to run the ball 20 times. Now, again, you're going to realize week to week that you're not going to run over every team like you did against the Dallas Cowboys in week one. But given the circumstances, like I, I'm not upset with 56 yards and a hundred yards receiving for Leonard Fournette. You know what I'm saying? And, and this week it really didn't seem like the run game was that much of a factor until the end of the game, obviously with the play call choice and the three straight passes. But it's like, I think everybody expected them to slow down and maybe try and involve the run a little bit more at the end of the game. And then that one drive with three straight passes, well, it kind of throws a wrench into that plan when you allow Atlanta to get back into the game. But honestly, it's neither here nor there. A win is a win. And the Buccaneers are victorious 21-15. We have a two-hour super chat from Mr. Bucks Nation. Oh, Uh, yeah. 
for the Wendy's fund. I mean, I think teams spent enough money today, but okay. Um, <laughs> for the Wendy's fund, also, I'm burnt to hell. Well, yeah. you know that—that's what happens when you sit, you know, in a ninety-degree day. I, I don't. I don't know. I know he had an elaborate plan for his his game day tickets. Uh, he has a season ticket up on the nosebleeds that I think he sold, and then he turned around and he bought some tickets this morning for a little bit of a better price in a better section. Man, but it's a one o'clock he, game. He, he probably can't hear you from under that bus. <laughs> Jeez. What? What? Jeez. Hey, come on, let's not let's not act like James wasn't the only person to do that their season ticket this week. Anyways, well, there there was a lot of there was a lot of talk about that, wasn't there? It was like, oh, all the tickets on the secondary market are all available. Whatever, yeah, like a hurricane dude. didn't just hit the freaking. Whatever. Thing, if yeah. you're referring to Mike Florio and PFT, yeah, like, 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 like a hurricane, hell? Like, like a hurricane didn't just hit. Two weeks ago, like does that. Tampa have Tommy fatigue? <laughs> the game against the Fe- the one o'clock game against the Falcons isn't sold out yet. God, I cannot stand that guy. I don't even want to give him any more attention. All right. So anyway, let's so it, there's not details. a lot of there's not a lot of cloud coverage in Raymond James Stadium, especially during no. one o'clock. You're not going to get any shade whatsoever. <laughs> during, so yeah, yeah during one is the worst. Yeah. Um, during yeah. four, at least for the first part, you might be rough, but eventually it'll it's sort of you know in like the third quarter or so it'll be a little bit better. But yeah. Um, but anyways, <laughs> let's move on to the defense. Uh, let's do it. Give me your thoughts on this Buccaneers defense today. They were in the hot seat after last week, and I mean they were pitching a shutout after three quarters. Yeah, and, and you know I was I was encouraged. Um, there, there's still some things in a run game that that need to be corrected. However, it was much better today. Uh, it's it's tough to gauge Atlanta because. Like, I mean, they were down 21 nothing. They're still running the ball well, because, like, they just they don't have the ability to pass the ball. And, and that's the thing is that, like, I was telling myself, Atlanta, they had to do something, right? And the run game was clearly working. They put up well over 100 yards rushing against Tampa Bay. They were Bay, too conservative down the stretch. They wasted too much time. They, they wasted a lot of clock on that last drive that they had before the onside kick attempt. They wasted way too much time. But, again... With as conservative uh, with as conservative as it felt like they were being late in the game, their run game was working. And when they got in for that last touchdown, I looked down at the stats and like, yeah, they're at 150 yards rushing, but Marcus Mariota only had 80 something yards yeah. passing. So it's like you got to kind of give and take. And I feel like that context is important because at the end of the day, while the Falcons were being conservative, Marcus Mariota is not a passer who's going to get you back into the game. And they were just sticking with what worked. And that's the unfortunate part that it worked, you know, um, like I said, I think last week on, on the previous show, I said like Mariota threw the ball was like 12 of 19 for a hundred yards, no touchdowns and a pick. And they won the game. Like he wasn't good. Um, you know, and, and I think, um, it's, I don't know what to describe as the run defense. I think here's the thing. And everybody says, Oh, sign a run defense is bad. Sign Subak. Um, you know, one man isn't going to do anything. Uh, you, you can't sign a Dominican Sue and then, oh, magically, the run defense is going to be. There's, to me, there's three factors uh, as to why the run defense is not as good as it was. One of them is the Dominican Sue. Yeah, he was pretty good against the run. That was his calling card against the run. Another one is losing Jordan Whitehead, which I actually said would be bigger than losing to Dominican Sue. I thought that was actually the biggest loss for this Bucks defense, losing Whitehead in the offseason. He did so many things down in the box for them. Um, I think that was a very big loss. 
The other one is just the regression of guys like Vita Vea and Will Golston maybe starting to show his age a little bit. You know, like he's getting up there in age. Like those two guys are known run stuffers and they're just, they haven't been as good this year. So I think that is really one of the three biggest factors as to why this run defense isn't what it once was like the run defense. Now, like it isn't good. Like we know it isn't good. The good news for the bucks is that in the NFL with the way things are trending now, it's a passing league. Like teams aren't always going to be like the Falcons, you know, teams that are down 21, nothing. They're not running the ball. Like they're down 21, nothing in the fourth quarter. They're not going to be running the ball. They're going to be throwing it. So most of the time you're going to find a team that's going to be throwing the ball. And, um, you know, I just, I don't see any, any easy end in sight. Now my bucks nation prediction was spot on. I said, the Falcons were going to rush for over a hundred yards total, but still lose the game. And that is exactly what happened. So I was finally about time. I'm <laughs> right on the money with one of these predictions. 151 yards total rushing for the Atlanta Falcons. That's seven carries for Marcus Mariota. He goes 61 yards. Uh, is it Tyler Algier? 13 carries, 45 yards for him. Caleb Huntley, 8 carries, 34 yards. And I think it is Avery Williams, 3 carries for 11 yards. That running back committee they had really started to pay off towards the end of the game because, uh, I mean, you could tell this run defense was tired, but they ran well. Yeah, that's without Patterson, too. Um, and, And, you know, I'll give the defense a little bit of slack because we talked about the offense having a 42 second drive and a 36 second drive. The defense has to go right back out there. It's hot. You know, the offense is going to have the advantage. Like, you know, I'll give the defense uh, a little bit of a pass there. I thought the defense was good today. Now, Atlanta's offense is bad. I think both can be true. However, this is also a positive sign for the defense to bounce back like it did. I thought another positive sign from the defense today was the effectiveness of that pass rush. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers now have 20 sacks in five games, which means... They are averaging four sacks a game, which is the highest number I think we have ever seen for this defense in the history of the podcast. And uh, your leading tackler today was Antoine Winfield Jr. from that safety position. Seven tackles and a sack for him as well. What do you think of the pass rush? Uh, real quick, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Everybody who was, oh, Joe trying to win. Oh, Joe trying to win. Oh, he's, yeah. He's a bust. Yeah. He's terrible. Joe trying to win. He's not going to do it this week. <laughs> this guy sucks. And, and then what did I say? I was like, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Hey, what what, what do you do? I was rooting for you because he was, I mean, he was a fingertip away from two sacks on the day and you had called two sacks on the pregame show. You said, Hey, my bull take two sacks for JTS today. Well, he opened up, got the first one of the day. And then uh, after that, he was definitely no stranger to the, uh, to the backfield. He was getting after it. Yeah, he was good today. I thought him and Logan Hall both were pretty good today. So just want to just yeah, give myself a little pat on the back. Just give myself a little pat on the back. Um, but yeah, I thought the pass rush was, uh, d- again, decent. I-, I didn't, there was a lot of times where I was like, man, Mariota's got a lot of time. Deidre Senate had a sack against his former team, which is cool. However, that was one of the ones. That's a covered sack. Like Mariota held that ball. Yeah, that but he a- came around that corner screaming. <laughs> I, he was fast. He's a big boy. That's yeah, big he boy. was He was moving quick, um, dude. But, um, you know, yeah, I thought the pass rush did what they needed to do. A lot of clutch sacks. Uh, two sacks, I believe, on third down, which forced the Falcons to not even be able to consider going for on fourth down late in the game. So those are the sacks that you want. You want sacks on third down. I think that's what the Bucks did. And they got you know, to them twice there on third down. I think that really helped. So um, 
yeah, I thought the pass rush was decent. The Atlanta offensive line, again, this is not the same Atlanta team that the Bucs have seen the last two years. They are starting to improve, and the offensive line is one of those areas that is starting to improve. So while it's not a great offensive line, they they have improved a bit. So um, And, you know, it helps that they have a quarterback now. Like, you know, unlike Matt Ryan, Mariota can get away from some of that pressure, which will help the offensive line. So, yeah, I mean, there I, were I – Good. I can count two sacks at least that he got away from that the Bucks could have had. Just missed tackles, him shaking a guy behind the line of scrimmage, gets away, scrambles for a couple of yards. But aside from that, I, I really thought they were all over him. Yeah, and uh, for Froggy75 says, I don't feel it with this defense. Having 20 sacks already on the season is meaningless, especially after a flop against KC last week. So no matter what happens the rest of the season, you're going to judge it on one game? Because right now with, that game looks like the anomaly. That game looks like the outlier. With all right due now. respect to Froggy seventy five, he was also in the uh, Mister Bucks Nation stream, and I mean, this guy has already sold this team out. Uh, you know, my <laughs> friend, I'm telling you, take a deep breath and relax. We got a lot of football left. There's a lot of football. The Bucks are three and two. Believe it or not, Tom Brady won a couple of Super Bowls with Patriot teams that started out the season at three and two. So let's just take a second. Let's relax. A win is a win is a win. Bucks are three and two. Yeah, th- there's areas to improve on. We know that. Like that's obvious. Like, but you know, the the defense played well. They they you know they played better. Um, that fourth quarter it was tough. You know, uh, so the Falcons got the ball. The, their first touchdown. They had the ball. They started past midfield because of the Bucks having a punt and then a decent punt return. Like. They started the ball past midfield. So, like, what do you want the, the Bucks defense to do? Like, it's not going to be perfect. The only thing I wish, I wish they could have forced a turnover. They had a fumble that Mariota recovered. Uh, wish they could have forced a turnover. I know the Falcons weren't passing it much, so there wasn't many opportunities for picks. But um, I, I wish, you know, they, they could have forced a turnover. That really might have put the nail in the coffin. But, um, yeah, I, I thought that um, – I thought the defense was encouraging because I know the Atlanta offense isn't good. Like that's, you know, but the Bucks defense played well. Both can be true. Like it's, it's okay because this is the Bucks defense should play well against, it'd be more concerning if the Bucks defense was gashed by Atlanta. Right. Um, you know, because Atlanta's offense isn't good. It would be more concerning with that. So uh, I, I liked what I saw from the defense. They have another offense coming up in Pittsburgh. That's not very good. Rookie quarterbacks really struggling and hopefully they can continue their success there because I have a feeling that game next week's going to be pretty low scoring. We have a couple of injuries to talk about, but before we do so, I wanted to shine a light on uh, one more pass rusher that, today. We have, we, have a, we have a $5 super chat from Richard. Uh, it says, sure, the defense isn't as good as the last few years. At the same time, we're not facing Mahomes every week. We're still in a good situation. I agree. Like I like it. The, the, the Bucks gauntlet, per se, is over for now. Like, you know, they have a little tough stretch here coming up with Baltimore and L.A. back to back. And then maybe later with Cincinnati and San Francisco. But, but, but between now and then. A I mean, this is where change. you this is where you stack wins up. You know, yeah, you start with the Falcons. Change. If you can go on the road and you can beat the Steelers next week and then beat Carolina after that, you go into a tough stretch five and two. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you would have told anyone that this Bucks team was five and two at one point in the season, they'd be a OK. You know yeah. what I mean? Nobody cares about those first four games when the team is five and two after seven. So, yeah. And, and obviously they still got to play and win those games. Like mm-hmm. you're not looking past them or anything. The Pittsburgh oh, yeah, no doubt. particularly is going to be tough, but um, yeah, the, the defense, 
you know, like you said, they played Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes back to back. Those are two elite quarterbacks. Like I know Rodgers and their Packers offense has been up and down, like, but like Rodgers is still a top five quarterback in the NFL. Whether people like him or not, talent wise, he's still a really, really good quarterback. So that that's gonna happen. Like in Kansas City might be one of the best offenses in the NFL. It's going to happen. Was it pathetic last week? Yes. Did we talk about it being pathetic? Yes. Like we acknowledge that, uh, but we can also acknowledge that they made progress th- th- this week. Vita Vea got a sack today. He did. Big he, man he, got he after looked, the quarterback. He looked, he looked better. Um, I don't know if he looked good, but he looked much better. There was that. Had. There was that one face uh, face mask call where it was blatant, uh, but he was still able to wrap up the uh, the running back with one arm and make the tackle. I mean, that's the stuff that I'm used to seeing. To be honest, he's already taken up a block, has a hand in his face mask. His head is turned completely. And he was still able to reach out one of those giant arms and bring down the running back. But yeah, I mean, more positive signs from Vita Vea. And anytime he can make a splash play like the sack when he did, I just it's it's going to go a long way. And I, I like seeing that kind of production, but wanted to give him some love because a lot of people just like JTS this week, you know, had him in the doghouse and it felt a little undeserved. Yeah, yeah. You know, I. I don't know. I, I think it was kind of deserved because I still think he's a big reason why the run defense hasn't been the same. Like it's it hasn't been good. Like I'm trying to call it, you know, spade a spade, but like he was good today. Like he 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 was good today. So um, you know, I, I do think that um, you know, it's he was good. Hopefully you can build on that. Like, you know, I think there was the one play where the Falcons ran up the middle and it just kind of stopped. Like it stopped when I got to him. And I was like, that's what you're used to seeing. Like that's, that's what you're used to seeing, but you haven't seen that all year. So and then hopefully this is the first step in, in it. You know, him really waking up here. <laughs> Our buddy Willie Beam and the moderator brings it up. Great point on that Vita Vea sack. He was actually lined up on the edge. Uh, Joe Tryon was kicked inside playing the interior and they basically ran this kind of a stunt with Via. Uh, with Vita Vea, but he came off of that edge like Deacon Jones and Lawrence Taylor. Huh? Big athleticism from the big 350 pounder, some Polynesian power up in there, but just wanted to show him some love. Now let's talk about the injuries. I had mentioned these briefly, but we'll know more. We'll know more as the week goes on. And of course we'll yeah. keep you updated, but not ideal for Tampa Bay. They lost three players in the secondary in that in, second half in, in, in about five minutes. Yeah. Mike Edwards, Sean Murphy Bunting and Carlton Davis all left the game today with injury, have not gotten much more of an update since then, unless you have heard anything otherwise, but we just have to wait and see how this shakes out. Yeah, yeah, this was a little concern. We don't have any updates right now. Yeah, there, there is no, but uh, yeah, they they were down to Jamel Dean being like their own, and they were already without Logan Ryan entering the game. So um, they were, yeah, they were down to Jamel Dean being like one of their only starters in the secondary, Jamel Dean and Antoine Winfield Jr. So um, hopefully all them guys are okay. I mean, Murphy Bunting, you know, barely play and then comes in and gets injured. Um, hopefully, like I said, all those guys are okay, or at least some of them can come back next week. So um, because, I mean, the Steelers, while their offense hasn't been good, they have a pretty talented receiving core. Yeah, Sean Murphy Bunting, they had uh, designated it a quad injury. Mike Edwards was a wrist slash hand injury. And then I do not remember what the Carlton Davis one was, but he did limp off. I believe it was a hip. Right. So uh, something to monitor. Obviously going to be really important here down the stretch as we talk about how well this defense has played. Those guys in the secondary have been a big part of it. Mike Edwards and Carlton Davis. Sean Murphy Bunting still finding a role, but you got to give him his roses whenever you can. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, I I thought 
the secondary was fine. They just, they weren't tested a whole lot. Like they just they were not tested by this Falcons team. And um, you know there will be tests coming up though. Like I like I said, Pittsburgh has a talented receiving core. George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. Like those guys are talented. Um, so you're going to need to get healthy. And I don't know the status of Logan Ryan. I don't know if he's coming, you know, back. And um, so, I mean, Keith brings up uh, these guys are old and long in the tooth. Well, Carlton Davis is in his fifth year. Mike Edwards is in his fourth year and Sean Murphy Bunting is in his fourth year. So that's not right. Um, But, you know, anyways, and also you get a shout out. Thanks for filling in for James today, Rhett from Buck Wild. Thanks, man. One of the moderators over there on his channel holding it down as always. It was a pleasure hanging out with Bucks Nation as always. Um, Love reaching out. And I mean, it's always fun. It's always fun filling in with uh, filling in for James when I can. So Harvinder. Yeah, this is going to lead us into our final discussion here. Um, He says, are we going to discuss the officials? Tampa got really lucky with a number of those flags. They got lucky with one of them. Um, the other, <laughs> the other ones, I think were were justified. Let's let's first we're gonna get out in front of this. The rough in the passer call was awful. There it is was, no, it, there yeah. is no defending it. There is no saying. Well, no, it, it sucked. Like that roughing the passer call sucked. Like there, there is no ifs, ands, or buts. It was terrible. However, so was the non call on defensive pass interference on Scotty Miller the play before. Like, and that would have got the Bucks down to like the 10 yard line. It would have ended the game right there. I don't know. So that's Scotty Miller, the, the non-call defensive pass interference. They ran that play twice. They targeted Scotty twice on that deep shot, right side of the field down there in the end zone. The first time Tom hit him, he kind of underthrew it. So Scotty yeah, had to did. slow down would have been and it gave the corner enough time to realize the ball was coming and just kind of throw himself into Scotty to make the play. And, and he, once and the he, corner and, and, and he turned, yeah, once turned. the corner turned around, it was no longer defensive pass interference, but people were upset about that one. But yeah, I will agree that second one was even more of a non-call. Um, Scotty was able to come down and make the catch, but he's out of bounds. Doesn't matter. Bucks get bailed out the very next play with the roughing the passer. Yeah, but that I mean that that call on Grady Jarrett, he was furious, and I know and we're he, Bucks he, fans. He's every, he's every right to be. Furious. Yes, he had every right to be as emotional as he was. I know we are Bucks fans, and I know a lot of people in here are Tom Brady fans. But if you have been watching this brand of football for a little while, you know that every now and again, maybe there's a call that could go one way or the other. Yeah, but Brady hasn't gotten a ton of those calls in Tampa. Not so like, far this year. Really, I mean, even I mean, just in general, he's yeah, had a that's few. What I'm saying. Like. Yeah, he hasn't like they were even showing on the broadcast. They were showing earlier, like, um, you know, oh, they they were showing earlier the 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 hits that Brady took, and some of them were like, man, yeah, it could have been passer, you know, not passer interference, uh, rubbing the passer. Uh, I thought the the hit on Vita Vea was, you know, that Vita Vea had on Marcus Mariota. I thought that was egregious call. Um, you know, the the refs. You want to talk about the refs bailing the Bucks out? The refs missed an obvious hold on Antoine Winfield Jr. that allowed Atlanta. That was on Atlanta. Yeah, country. a lot of people were talking that about was, that one clear as day a hold. He was holding him in the back, and then he held him in the front. And that was no call. The refs are bad. Right. Refs are always going to be bad. They're going to be bad for both sides. The Bucks got bailed out there. Sure. But like you also can't acknowledge that without acknowledging the play beforehand. And but, you know, this week, that's all people talk about. All they'll talk about is how the Falcons would have, you know, and also the Falcons still were down. It would just would have meant the Bucks were punting. Uh, so the Falcons yeah. would have had to drive all the way down the field and score a touchdown. And um, yeah, it just I don't know. I, I, I have I have no idea. Um 
it was it was brutal. It, it was it was definitely brutal. It was and, it was definitely a uh, a disappointing way for that game to end. Like I'm not gonna lie, a Bucks win is a Bucks win, and I'm just as happy as anyone else. It wouldn't have mattered if they got bailed out by the call or not. But whether you're an Atlanta Falcons fan or you're just a fan of football, yeah, you know the yeah, bad officiating. Yeah. The bad officiating that has ruined games over the last three, four, five seasons in the NFL, it is a common trend. And I'm not saying that you need to get used to it because that's just the way things are. But what I'm saying is that we may just need to get used to it because, unfortunately, that's the way things are. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're a casual football fan, you know, you have no allegiance to the Falcons or the Bucks. You're sitting there and you're like bummed. You're like, man, like, you know, I wanted to see Atlanta try and drive. Bucks, Bucks know? were like, in every situation. Exactly. Bucks were in every situation to win the game right there. Huge sack, Grady Jarrett gives man, the Falcons it. a chance to win it. Yeah, like, you know, like, and, and it just, it didn't happen. So, um, for the, you know, as far as the game, like, yeah, it sucked. Like, it, there, there is no ways around it. Um, but it happened. Uh, the last time we're going to talk about it, there's, there's nothing to talk about. You know, it, it's done. Like, it, it, it's over. The game's over. They're not going to go back and say, oh, no, actually, no, the Falcons won. Like, it, it, it doesn't matter. So, um, you know, and then Richard also brings up if it was reversed, Bucks fans would be fuming too. Yeah, Falcons fans should be fuming. Like we talked about, like they should yeah. be, like they should be angry. Um, that also doesn't mean that Atlanta would have won the game. <laughs> like that, that also doesn't mean that you know it's not. It's not like the Bucks. It's not like the Bucks were down one. Atlanta got that sack, and then the Bucks kicked the field goal. Right, the right. Then that's way different. Um, but uh, you know, it's. And then we talked about earlier the Kate Otten thing. That spot it would have given the Bucks a first down. Maybe the Bucks get points there, and the game's not as close down the stretch. The refs are bad. The refs in the NFL, in American sports, are bad. Like they, they are always going to be bad. Um, it's just it is what it is. There's a I human can't... element to it where they're not going to be perfect, and notoriously the refs are bad, and and they were pretty bad. I can't wait for the 30 for 30, you know, 25 years from now where it's like exposing a ring of NFL refs who were betting on the action between the the 2017 and the 2024 season. You know, just some crazy nonsense like that, because it has been every single year. There's a couple of games that are just officiated so egregiously that uh, people have no choice but to talk about it for the next few weeks. But fortunately, it is what it is. Neither here nor there. Bucks win. Falcons lose. Let's wrap up this pod with a take bag. Do you have one this week? Maybe a couple of big takes you have from the Buccaneers victory in week five. Um, Not really. I, I, I had a mixed bag of what I saw from Keanu Neal. Uh, I had a few nice tackles and stuff, but also had a missed of, tackle. Yeah. Had, had a pretty crucial missed tackle there. And uh, he was, He's been up and down. He's been okay. He was thrown into to a spot there, and that's fine. I mean, but their safety depth is really good. So, um, uh, other than that, not a, a ton. I thought, you know, the, the Falcons really didn't get any pressure off the edge uh, on on defense, so that was good. The tackles, you know, Donovan Smith and Trista Worms really held up well. Um, yeah, and like I said, I pretty much said everything. Uh, I don't really have much – you know, suck up obviously big uh, with with making extra points. It turned out like it was even bigger than we thought it would be. Um, so you know, yeah, it's it was it was just a a win's a win, you know. And they need to be better because they're not going to win. You know, like they're not going to beat the Ravens playing that way. You're not going to beat the Rams playing that way. I don't care if the Rams are struggling a little bit. You're not going to beat the Rams playing that way. It's Man, not I, happen. So speaking of the Rams, uh, we are live on YouTube, so all the four o'clock games have already started. And on my TV in the background, I've got the Rams and the Cowboys. 
And like, you might as well just play the Benny Hill music over this entire game. <laughs> it is incredible. The, uh, the S show I have watched so far, every time I look up, somebody's turning the ball over. Um, and, uh, and Harvinder brings up a good point. That's the final point I have no turnovers. That was a big thing, especially with a game that ended up being close another like, week was, in a row. Yeah, it was, it was a big, well, they had to turn over the, the fumble. Oh, you're right. Sorry. My bad. Um, but yeah, no turnovers I mean, for Brady for another week in yeah. a row. How about well Brady that was the fumble? Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, forget I said. <laughs> um, so, but I yeah they they played a pretty clean game, uh, and, and they're going to need to continue to do that and just play. You know, the only the only complaint is that um, the only complaint is that they didn't force turnovers on the defensive side. And obviously, we talked about our biggest complaints about how the offense got too aggressive actually in the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, the, the, they're going to have to, um, they're going to have to correct those things. Um, we talked about the, you know, uh, amazement that, how you pronounce that, uh, we, you bring up the, the fourth down conversions or non conversions I should say, yeah, we talked about that too. You know, it's, get the yard right um it's inexcusable but you know at the end of the day they're three and two now and they have two more winnable games coming up you got to focus on pittsburgh i think it's a really tough game against you know teams always play harder after you get embarrassed like that right and i think pittsburgh was embarrassed today it's kenny pickett's first start at home uh and you know in like where he basically played college where he played all of his college ball where he, you know where he's playing his pro ball now like they're gonna want to come out and um you know play well and it's not gonna be easy so you have two more winnable games coming up where you got another tough stretch and i think you gotta win those games so but today was a good start gotta build on it hopefully the buccaneers will do that with a tough road test next week in pittsburgh the next time we talk to you on this very podcast we will be joined by former tampa bay buccaneers quarterback sean king we'll get his take on the week five game and we'll look ahead at the buccaneers game coming up against pittsburgh should be a good one shout out to everybody hanging out with us over on youtube blizzard mike uh, i'm not going to shout him out amazement 17717 keith johnson really beaming the moderator holding it down richard t with the super chat will williams keith johnson anyone else that i may have missed we truly appreciate you guys hanging out with us subscribe to the channel if you have not already for more great tampa bay buccaneers content and shout out once again to everyone checking us out after hanging out in the mr bucks nation week five reaction stream maybe i'll uh, make an appearance in one of those next week or something like that but james should be back in his usual role for the rest of the season that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the cannon fire podcast follow the show on social media facebook instagram and twitter all of those are cannon fire podcast best place to go for updates on the show and of course buccaneer news as it happens Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. I know you were putting yourself over because you nailed your staff pick this week, but uh, what else you got coming on? Well, it's just the the predictions review, so you can read me sort of gloat that I got it right. So, uh, and then I'll take Not only did all. you just listen it, listen to it, but now... <laughs> Um, now you get to read it. Um, so I'll, I'll take a look at all the other staff. Um, thank you very much, Austin, uh, for the, uh, um, showing some love to the mustache. That's right. I appreciate it. Um, but, um, yeah, so I'll be taking a look at the rest of the staff's predictions and seeing how right or wrong they were. Should be a good one. Last but not least, you can find myself Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R H E T T A K U S. If you follow me. 
I will follow you back. We will talk to you guys tomorrow on a brand new episode of the Can of Fire podcast with former Bucks quarterback Sean King. Should be a good one. I'm your host, Rhett Matthews. Signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.